everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out over there. My articles, of course, my Twitter threads that go out in the evening. These shows that get posted usually midday. So everything is over on Twitter if you want to go check that out at JoeOrico99. Today we're going to be doing our fairly typical Friday show with a bit of a trade deadline angle to it. We've had some some news over the last 12 or 14 hours, however many hours ago they released the news that Shohei Otani is somebody who could potentially be in play. Now, I don't think that this is too likely going into the deadline here. This is kind of last minute. If you're going to trade someone like Otani, you figure that that's something that'll be worked out over the course of a long period of time, not over the course of a week. So I expect that nothing will most likely come of this midseason, but it's definitely very interesting considering everything going on with Mike Trout. Mike Trout had some bad news the other day. We briefly mentioned it on the show a couple of days ago that he has a rare back issue that they don't really know how it will affect him going forward. So that's something that the Angels might have to say, okay, we are not going to be competing for the next few years because... We need Mike Trout to be able to compete. They like literally have nothing going for them besides Trout and Otani. If they don't have Trout and it's just up to Otani, they're, they're, they have no hope over there. So I understand the thought process of saying, why don't we just tear it down and we'll start from scratch and we'll get, an, we'll get a crazy haul here. I think if you're going to go that route, you might as well trade both of them. And Angels fans would probably not be very happy. And who knows what the market would be for Mike Trout with this recent back injury. But I think if you're going to trade one, you should just trade both. Uh, if you're going to have only one of those guys, let's say they trade Otani and keep Trout, then you just have Trout for the next few years, getting into his later 30s, lowering his value every day, especially with this injury stuff now, and the team not being competitive. So I don't understand the point of that. Even with the both of them, they can't seem to stay competitive. So I would expect that if they do go this route and they trade Otani, that they'll probably trade Trout as well in that same kind of period. Now, I don't expect this to get done before the trade deadline. A trade of this magnitude, you need a long time to look over prospects and really make sure you're getting the right people because you don't want to be saying, okay, we'll take your top three prospects or top four prospects and, and whatever the hell, and then you realize, okay, the three prospect has this or the four. Like you can't, it can't just be that simple as we'll take your three best minor league guys. There needs to be a lot of research done here by the Angels, by whatever team is going to be acquiring Otani. Hypothetically still, I mean, I'm speaking of in terms as though this is going to happen for sure. 
I don't think it will right now. I think that if it's going to, and I think it possibly will in the offseason because they just need some time to really pull something like this uh, together. With that being said, though, the Angels aren't exactly the most, I don't know, sound organization in terms of their decision-making. So maybe they say Otani's value is very high right now. We don't really know what's going to happen as he keeps going on like this as a two-way player because we're kind of in uncharted territory. Maybe there will come a point where Otani has to give up pitching and just be a position player. I think that's likely at some point in his career. Will teams factor that in? Otani is 28 years old, I believe, so it's not like he's 23 or something like Juan Soto. He's, he's approaching 30. So if I am a team that's going to be shelling out my top five prospects for Otani or whatever it's going to be, I want to have a serious conversation with him and know where he's at in terms of going forward with pitching and if it's something that he thinks he'll be able to do for the next five, seven years, I, I doubt it. Both sides of the ball like that, it'll really wear you down. I, I would be very cautious to be trading for Otani right now. And, I mean, if the options right now, I saw a couple people talking about it on Twitter this morning. If you could either go for just Juan Soto or Shohei Otani, who would you go for? And I'd go for Soto in a heartbeat. You're getting a, five, a player who's five years younger who is a much better hitter. Uh, Soto is a, is a better hitter than Otani. There might be a touch more power there with Otani, but it's it, Soto has shown us, like last year in the home run derby, it was a course field, but he hit the ball, I think it was 520 feet. It was the longest home run, from what I remember, in home run derby history. Like Soto has the power. He has great contact skills, probably the best in, in the world right now. Uh, he walks at an elite rate, like 20% this season. I'll, I'm taking Juan Soto there over Otani. Uh, largely due to the fact that there's going to be injury risk with Shohei for the rest of his career, just because of the nature of what he does. I'm a, I'm a little worried about whatever team is going to be giving up these prospects, that they're going to get back Otani. He'll be solid for, you know, two, three years, and then he'll have to stop pitching, or he'll have to be, you know, a, a part-time player and not play every single day because his body is so worn down. All factors that I think need to be considered here. Uh, when we're talking about a Shohei Otani trade. Now, in terms of Soto, a lot more options on the table here. With Otani, I don't think I've heard one actual team linked to him, uh, not from what I've seen anyway. This, in this day and age, there's constantly news being pumped out. So from what I'm seeing right now, we haven't had a certain team linked to Shohei Otani. Now, with Juan Soto, there's a few teams that have been. The Dodgers, uh, notably recently anyway, I've seen a lot of Dodgers talk a couple of articles that came out today about it. The Cardinals, the Padres, there are a couple of teams that seem to be really in the mix. Now, the Yankees, apparently not in the mix anymore with Andrew Benintendi going their way. I still think there's a good chance that they could go for Soto. I wouldn't expect that Andrew Benintendi is going to be the thing that stops my organization from going after a guy like Juan Soto. Uh, that, that would just be stupid. It wouldn't make too much sense there as far as I see it. But uh, I, I don't think Juan Soto is going to be moved at the deadline. Despite all of these rumors, I just don't think anybody's going to offer up a package that is going to be large enough. It will take a ridiculous amount of prospects mixed together with established players to make it happen. I don't think either of these deals get worked out midseason. Uh, if I had to say one or the other more likely, I'd say, or sorry, I'd say Soto is more likely to happen just because this Otani thing is kind of new. Like I said, teams should really take their time and talk with him and talk with everybody involved to see what the, what the outlook is over the next several years before they commit uh, massive amounts of prospects to him. So 
If one is more likely than the other, probably Soto. But if I'm going to bet on this, I would say neither gets moved uh, before Tuesday. One other team, really, I was going to say one other player, and just mentioned Xander Bogarts, but there's been a lot of rumors surrounding the Red Sox recently. Xander Bogarts told reporters the other day that apparently he's not going to be traded. Uh, he said something like, I hope I don't get in trouble, but I'm not, I'm not going to get dealt, Some, something like that. I don't have the quote up in front of me here, but he was. it was weird. It was kind of weird. You don't usually hear this kind of candor from players. Uh, let me pull it up here. He's asked whether he's been given personal assurance from the front office he would be dealt. Bogart said, I don't know if I should say that, but I hope I don't get in trouble. But yeah, much better like that. Communication is always huge in everything in life. To get that type of feedback is beneficial, I would say. Strangely worded quote for sure, but what it means essentially is that they have told him they're not going to move him, which how much does that really matter in sports nowadays? How much loyalty is there really in the game? Uh, speaking as a massive basketball fan and as a Toronto Raptors fan, DeMar DeRozan was somebody the Raptors signed long-term and told them they weren't going to trade him. And he wanted to be in Toronto. He signed here long-term and not many players had done that. And then the Raptors promptly traded him a year later. So how much loyalty that, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear team told players something and you know, that's the end of it. Like, no, that's not the end of it. Usually, there's usually a lot more that goes on that the fans don't have any access to. So I don't know if Bogarts is going to get traded or not. That kind of thing would lead you to believe that he's probably not. But there's also been a report that literally, uh, there's an article from like 10 minutes ago uh, out on the score about J.D. Martinez talking about how his time with the franchise could be coming to an end. Now, they're in different situations. J.D. Martinez is quite a bit older than Xander Bogarts, but I think if you're going to start trading players, if you're going to trade a J.D. Martinez, it's kind of an indication that you're you're not going to be competitive this season. Uh, Martinez has been very solid, not hitting a lot of home runs, but he's batting two ninety three, uh, nine homers, 38 RBIs. He's been a productive member of the lineup for sure. Uh, but this is a Red Sox team here that if they're going to do that, then they might as well start to trade other pieces. Now, Xander Bogarts is 29 years old. He's not a spring chicken anymore. Maybe they should try, and they're probably not going to be able to package them, but ship them off separately. Get yourself back a nice little package there and start to build up again around a Rafael Devers, who's only 25 years old. That would probably make the most sense to me. I'm sure Red Sox fans probably not too happy about it, but the team is sitting at 500 in a very competitive division, in the, mo in the most competitive division in baseball. If they make the playoffs, which right now is far from a certainty, They'd be sneaking in there, like right now the three and a half back of the third wild card spot. They'd be hoping to sneak in there and hope for some kind of miracle. I don't know, guys. They're, they're literally 50 and 50. They are very mediocre. The Jays did something to them, to their morale this last weekend, and it really hurt them. So maybe this will start an entire massive rebuild with everybody getting shipped off. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it'll be that extreme. But I do expect to see a couple of Red Sox get moved here at the deadline. And I think J.D. Martinez is a very likely candidate. He's someone who can play the outfield. He can DH. He's just a nice little power bat to add into your, well, maybe not so powerful this year. But typically, historically, he's been a nice power bat with a good batting average. Any contender would be very happy to stick him on the lineup or even on the bench, depending on where he goes. Um, so that would be that would be my likeliest outcome is that we see Xander Bogart or sorry that we see JD Martinez get moved. Bogarts, I don't know about Bogarts. Bogarts, I would be moving him personally. I'm just not sure if we're actually going to see that happen here. 
Let's keep it going. We'll look back now. I usually do this to start off the show, but we will look back now and talk about some of yesterday's top performing players. Brady Singer, definitely top of the list for me. He was outstanding. He threw seven innings, struck out 10, one walk, one hit, and he also hit one batter. You will take that every single day out of Brady Singer. 38% called strikes plus whiffs, including 48% on his sinker. He had increased velocity on all of his pitches. His sinker was up by a mile, 1.2 miles per hour. The slider up by 1.7 miles per hour. And the changeup just shy of one mile per hour gain there. I really think that he should be added like in all 12-team leagues. And just looking at roster percentages, he was about 24. Last night, he is now 28. There's still a lot of room there to be adding Brady Singer. Over the last month, 30 innings, he's a 2.05 ERA with 42 strikeouts. There's not many pitchers like that on the wire right now. Like There are, there are still pitchers who can have value on the waiver wire here and there, uh, even like a Ross Stripling, someone who's still pretty widely available. But with that kind of strikeout upside, uh, especially what he's done recently. For the season, I mean, earlier on, he wasn't striking guys out at this clip. He had a couple of games where there was three, four strikeouts. But recently, it's been 10, 12, 6, 5, and 9. He's getting it done. He's well worthy of a roster spot in 12-team leagues, I think. Xander Bogarts, who we did talk about just a second ago, hit a home run and stole two bases yesterday. That's a great game for him, especially considering that for the season, he only was coming into this game with seven home runs and five stolen bases. So you'll absolutely take it. I'm sure contending teams who are trying to pry Bogarts away won't be happy because things like that little boost in performance here can maybe change a prospect or two in a potential trade here. So if you're really slumping heading into the deadline, you can't really demand top dollar for that slumping player. But if a guy is doing well, like Bogarts has been doing recently here uh, over the last two weeks, he's batting 333. That will drive the price up even just a smidge if he does end up getting traded. Jamison Tyone had himself a really solid start last night on the other side of Brady Singer. He threw six innings, he struck out eight, he walked two batters, and he gave up four base hits. A lot of people in fantasy circles aren't crazy about Jamison Tyone. I think it's the lack of strikeouts there, but there's a lot of good still in his game. He's 75% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I think there's even room for that to go up into the 80-ish range, to the low 80s. So the 10 wins, yes, wins are stupid stat. I've said this before, I've titled shows this. I don't like that wins are a fantasy stat, but they are a fantasy stat. Pitching for the best team in baseball is bound to drive up your wins, and he has 10 of them, 10 victories already. That's fantastic. He has a 372 ERA, a 1.16 whip. Those are really strong numbers. He barely walks anybody. There are a lot of good things about Jamison Tyone. The walks might be the best thing, honestly, about Jamison Tyone. A 3.5% walk rate, which is 1.31 walks per nine innings. That's pretty elite stuff right there. I would be grabbing him if he is still available in your leagues, uh, just looking at my Yahoo leagues, there are he's not currently available in any of them, but 75%, you're going to find one or two leagues, maybe not the most competitive of leagues, but not everybody plays in the most competitive of leagues. So go ahead and check him out. If he's there, he's definitely worth an ad. Even just the fact that he pitches for the Yankees, that is worth an ad. And I know people are probably thinking about Jordan Montgomery right now and the fact that he doesn't get any wins. He's also someone who is worth an ad. Uh, he gets bad luck, yes. But he has like a 3-5 ERA and three victories. That will change going forward. So these guys who pitch for these elite teams have regular roles, and they pitch competitively over five-plus innings. They are must-roster players. Montgomery and Tyone, this is specifically about Tyone, 
These are guys that you need to go and grab and put them on your roster. Tyler Anderson, he threw seven innings last night. I put him on my bench in my home league because I wasn't very comfortable here with a start at Coors. I already have my ERA pretty well sorted for the week, so I wasn't too hurt by this, but this was a good start for him at Coors Field. Really impressive. Seven innings, four hits, no earned runs, no walks. Uh, he struck out four, and he did hit one batter. But for the year, Tyler friggin' Anderson has a 2.61 ERA and a .99 whip. He's not going to be available anywhere, really, but just really a, a hat tip to him for what he's been able to do this season. Last year, just to put it in perspective for you guys, he had a 1-3-4, or sorry, he struck out 134 batters in 167 innings. Not very impressive, and he had a 4.53 ERA with a 1.25 whip. The whip is not too bad. That ERA leaves something to be desired for sure. Pitching for the Dodgers, see? These guys, I, I made my point by accident. I didn't even intend to do this, but these guys who are not so elite but they pitch for really great teams. They have a boost in value there. Anderson has 11 wins. And to his credit, he has been much better this season, but definitely gets a boost playing for the Dodgers here. Talk about one more of yesterday's top performers, and then we will move it on over to the waiver wire portion. Yusei Kikuchi, he came back. He threw five innings, gave up two hits, one earned run, one walk, struck out five. See, I'm not sold with Kikuchi. This was a good start for sure, but for me... He's just too inconsistent. The only category where you can really count on him is strikeouts. And even in strikeouts, there has been some games this season where, uh, let's see, three, two, four, four, three, two. It's just not the most exciting. Yes, there's a couple of games there with seven and eight. There's literally one game with eight and then a few with seven. He's not that appealing to me, really. I'm just... Uh, I don't know. I need to see more out of them, out of him before I'm willing to go ahead and add him in any kind of standard size league. If you want to take a flyer on him in a 15, you're probably not going to get burned too badly. But even that, like he has burned pretty badly so far this season. I want to see him go out there and do this a few more times. Next time out, I believe, is against the Rays. That will be a step in the right direction. If he can go out there and replicate this to some degree against Tampa Bay, I'll be more inclined to take a chance on him in standard size formats. Now, let's keep it going here with the waiver wire portion of the show. There will be a little bit of overlap between this segment and the next one, which we'll talk about the best streamers for this weekend. I've picked one pitcher for each day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that I'm recommending. And it turns out that my Friday pitcher that I was looking into is the most added player today on Yahoo. So that would be Alex Cobb. And I know that there's probably a collective eye roll here. I'm still in on Alex Cobb. All the advanced numbers are still very good. He gets a crazy number of ground balls. The strikeouts are there. He's been very unlucky. I'm still all in on Alex Cobb, and I've said this multiple times. This is the hill I will die on. He has been really solid. If you look at the advanced metrics, he's been horribly unlucky all year. I am streaming him in here with absolute confidence against the Cubbies tonight. And we saw it yesterday, right? His teammate, Alex Wood, who's been similarly unlucky this whole season, took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, ended up giving up, I believe, two earned runs over six and two-thirds. He has seen a course correction a little bit recently, Alex Wood, and that same thing is coming for Alex Cobb, who is, in my opinion, a better pitcher than Alex Wood, and he's just been really unlucky. There have been, over the last few starts, some bad Babbitt luck, some bad bounces. Uh, he's really just been shafted this season by the baseball gods. It is due to turn around, and it has turned around a little bit over the last month. Over his last 30 innings, he has a 3.00 ERA. 
he had a bit of a rough start last week against the Dodgers, but you get a pass for that. That's typically what I say when there's a bad start against the Dodgers, especially in Los Angeles. That kind of thing happens. You can't hold it against really anybody. I am all for an Alex Cobb stream tonight against Chicago. And beyond a stream, I think that he is worthy of a 12-team roster spot. Jose Miranda is also being added quite a bit. We've talked about him each of the last few days. That first and third eligibility is nice. It's not the greatest uh, you know, duo of eligibility there, but he's still someone who's been hitting for a high batting average. Power has been there to some degree. Uh, I like him as more of a 15-teamer, but you can stream him in 12s pretty comfortably, I would say, as well. Alec Bohm, I you know, I'm more and more sold on Alec Bohm every day. He has one, two, three, four, five straight games where he has multiple hits. That's really impressive. He's boosted his average for the season to 294. Not a big power threat, six home runs, but he scored 48 runs. He's knocked in 40 of them. And he is in a pretty solid lineup, even without Bryce Harper. And I believe yesterday on the show, I said that Bohm, if he keeps this up, will be moved up in the batting order. He was batting third yesterday. So if that continues, if that trend keeps up throughout the rest of the season, then he's going to absolutely be a must-roster player down the stretch. Right now, I don't think he's a must-roster player. I think that he is a strong add. I wouldn't go out there and say you have to add Alec Bohm at all costs because he doesn't give you a lot in home runs. He doesn't give you a lot in the steals department either. That being said, I think that he is perfectly capable of being a 12-team player. 15s, absolutely. Like 100% in a 15-team league, he has to be on rosters. 12s, you could also make the argument. A little bit limited by just having eligibility a third, but... Overall, still, I would recommend an Alec Bohm add in a lot of cases here. Brady Singer, man, we talked about him. He's great. I would go and add him wherever you can. Looking at all of my Yahoo leagues, he's only rostered in one, and it's a really deep league. He's probably available in yours. He's currently sitting at 28%. By the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be 29 or 30 because it is going up. So far today, there have been maybe five players added ahead of him, but he is right up there based off of his last couple of strong outings. When you go into Yankee Stadium and do what he did yesterday, People start to take note. If you just put in his name on Twitter or Google, you'll see a lot of stuff written about him because he is worthy of it right now. Go ahead and pick up Brady Singer. Marcus Stroman, he's also been added quite a bit. I'm not totally sold on Marcus Stroman. I mean, he's been pretty solid, but overall, I'm just a little bit out on him pitching for the Cubs. Tonight, he gets the Giants in San Francisco. I wouldn't be jumping to stream him here. It's kind of an iffy one for me. I'd lean towards probably just leaving him on waivers if you uh, if you have if you're debating making an ad anyway. I would say Marcus Stroman can be left on waivers pretty comfortably. Jeffrey Springs is also being scooped up quite a bit where he is available, and I'm not the biggest fan of Jeffrey Springs. He was leaving like 97% of his batters on base earlier in the season. Obviously not sustainable. It was something crazy like that, like upper 90s uh, left on base percentage, which is absurd. I still think he's probably okay here against Cleveland. I wouldn't be jumping to add him. I think that he's going to be fine, but Cleveland's a sneaky good lineup. So overall, it's kind of a coin flip here for me. He has been on a bit of a downward trajectory. So for me, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one, to be honest with you. I would lean no. If, if I had to say one way or the other, I would lean no. Speaking of that sneaky good Guardians lineup, Josh Naylor also been added quite a bit today. And over the last week, he has jumped 20% on Yahoo over the last week. That first base and outfield eligibility is actually really valuable. Whenever you have someone who can go between the infield and the outfield, that's always ideal. 
14 home runs, 53 RBIs, and a 282 batting average for Naylor. He's just consistent. He's just really a good baseball player. I, I think that he should be added in all 12s. He, he should not be available. And even in some 10s, you could maybe argue it. But for sure, in 12-team leagues, there's no reason why Josh Naylor should be available. Let's talk now about a couple of drops. The most dropped player, I think it's kind of surprisingly, has been Cutter Crawford. Uh, he was pretty solid yesterday. One run ball for five and two-thirds. He took a no decision. Not a lot of strikeouts, sure, but he is capable of striking out a lot more batters than two over the course of almost six innings. I don't know why he was dropped like this. It wasn't like he had a bad start overall for the season. He has been pretty good. If you picked him up, I'd be inclined to hold, unless, of course, it was just like a desperation stream for this weekend. You're kind of just looking to jam in a bunch of stats. In that case, I kind of understand it, or if it was a shallower league stream, I understand it, but for the most part, I would be okay to hold on to him if you did add him. He has really good stuff. Uh, Tyler Wells, he's been dropped quite a bit. Same thing as yesterday. He's down to 29%. Keep on dropping. He's not good enough to hold through an IL stint. Not as far as I see it anyway. Alex Wood, I don't know why Alex Wood is being dropped like this. Uh, it was probably, how many leagues? About 1,500 leagues have dropped Alex Wood today. So some people were just using him as a stream, I guess. But like I said, over the last month, he's a 2.18 ERA. 0.88 whip, good strikeout numbers for the last month and for the season. He's just been unlucky. He's had some terrible luck so far this season. I wouldn't be dropping him if you added him, especially because he had a good start yesterday. Bit of an iffy one against the Dodgers the time out before, but just look at his last month or so, like individual starts, not just the whole month as a whole. Uh, look what he's done individually, and they're pretty much all good outings here. I would be all in on Alex Wood. Max Meyer, he's been dropped quite a bit. He's going to have Tommy John surgery. We talked about this a little yesterday. It's awful. It's terrible to see this happen to a young prospect, but he's not going to be on the field again this year, likely not even next year, so he is an absolute hard drop. Estieri Ruiz has also been dropped in a lot of leagues, and he is at the point where he, he, he can't really hold them uh, it's been awful so far, to say the least. He's not playing every day. In fact, more often than not, he's on the bench. He hasn't stolen when he's been in there. He's only got one steal over, so far, 26 at-bats. One run, two RBIs. You can't hold him in standard-sized leagues, I don't think. They're a team that's trying to compete. They're not going to be, you know, learn on the fly this season. He's there as a little bit of added depth. Uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not holding on. I've picked him up in a few different leagues. I picked him up in three or four different leagues, and every one of them now he's been dropped again. So it was a bit of a waste of fab. It was a waste of waiver priority, but that's where we are with Estuary Ruiz. It's not his year. He will be a serious stolen base threat for years to come, hopefully, but this is just not the year for it to start. Going to talk about my weekend streamers now. We already talked about Alex Cobb. He will be the guy that I'll be targeting tonight in a few different cases. He's still available in a lot of leagues, Alex Cobb. It's like, I don't, I know that he's been t bad, but he hasn't been like that bad. Uh, he's 38% rostered on Yahoo leagues. Especially recently, he has really not been that bad. So for tonight, I would be going with Alex Cobb. For tomorrow, not a lot of great options. The player that I did come up with, though, is Johnny Cueto, and he is due for some regression. No question, Johnny Cueto has been overperforming so far this season, but he gets a start against Oakland. Oakland really sucks. They really, really suck. And yes, uh, Cueto is beyond past his prime at this point. 
He doesn't strike out that many batters, but he doesn't walk that many batters either. Overall, uh, he has a 399 FIP, which isn't terrible. I mean, yes, his 289 ERA is lower than it will be uh, at the end of the season, no question. But this is a great matchup on a day where there's really not that many great pitchers. I'll just quickly go through Saturday here just to give you a bit of an idea of what we have going on. So Drew Hutchison and Ross Stripling. Stripling has been added up a lot. If he is still available, then go and add him. He's a decent alternative there. Corey Kluber and Zach Plezak. I'm not a fan of either one of those streams here. Zach Grinke and Nestor Cortez. Cortez is going to be rostered. Grinke, you can't do that to yourself. Lauer and Pavetta, no. Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Rogers, big time no there. Uh, we have Chris Flexen and Framber Valdez. Flexen, you could make, some people might make an argument for, but he's going into Houston, so I can't do that in good faith. Paul Blackburn and Cueto, this is where I fall through. Uh, I think Cueto is the guy here. I don't feel particularly great about it. I think it's Cueto or it's Stripling. Both of those guys have great matchups, and they should be your targets. I'd probably slightly lean to Cueto just because Oakland is really, really brutal. Let's keep it going with the Sunday streamer. That will be Aaron Ashby. He will be taking on the Red Sox, who we all know they have been struggling recently, but that's not really why I want to recommend Aaron Ashby. First of all, I believe he just signed a contract. I don't know, was it yesterday or was it this morning? It was yesterday. He signed a five-year contract extension. Not worth that much here overall. Um, this year or next year, he'll be getting $1 million. Year after, $1.25 million, then $3.25, then $5.5, then $7.5. That's an absolute bargain for the Brewers. That's, like, that's, that's stealing, essentially. Uh, what he's done recently has been fantastic with his strikeouts, especially his last time out. We saw him go seven innings, strike out nine batters. That was really a great start against Colorado. He has been a little bit hit or miss this season as a whole, and there has been some bad luck mixed in there. The BABIP he's allowing is 332. That's a little bit high. Uh, his XFIP for the season is, da, 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 where is it, 3.16. When you compare that with his 4.38 ERA, it shows you that he has been unlucky. And, of course, you mix that all together with the BABIP, and I think that he is a great add here for a Sunday matchup against the Red Sox. He'll be one of the better streamers for strikeouts on that day. His strikeouts are just about 11 per nine innings. He's striking out 27% of batters. I think that if you look at Sunday, it's another fairly weak streaming day. For me, that would be where I would direct my attention, Aaron Ashby. Quickly, before we get going today, we will talk about the two pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping an eye on tonight. Chris Bassett and Sandy Alcantara, that's the first one. That's pretty self-explanatory, I think, for Sandy Alcantara. Chris Bassett as well, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. I'm talking both of them here, really. They're both couple of my favorite pitchers. I worry about Alcantara, and I say it constantly. I say it probably once or twice a week. He's already at 144 and a third innings pitched. I'm just a little worried when it comes time to fantasy playoffs and that last little push for Roto at the end of September where you need everybody to be on their game and going deep and blah, blah, blah. And I just don't know, A, if the Marlins are even going to be pitching him in those last couple weeks if they're out of a playoff spot. What's the point? B, if they are pitching him, what are we going to see out of a guy who's thrown 200-plus innings for, which is essentially the third straight season he's done it for? I don't know. I'm a little worried. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Sandy. I've said it for a while. I'd be selling on Sandy, trying to get back another first-round level player. That's what my personal advice would be. A lot of people won't like that and won't take it, and I don't blame you. I wouldn't really 
if it was just me owning him, I don't have a lot of Sandy shares, but if someone else was telling me, go out and sell Sandy, you'd initially think this, this guy's nuts. But really, uh, I'm, I'm concerned going forward. I really am. This is going to start piling up these innings. The team sucks. No need to burn him for meaningless time in September. So I worry about a shutdown or at least a semi-shutdown. The second start we're going to be keeping an eye on tonight is Seattle and Houston. Robbie Ray and Justin Verlander, a couple of former Cy Youngs going up against each other. Verlander, who is likely to be the Cy Young this season, I think, in the American League, just because of his name alone. Uh, Shane McClanahan might get screwed there, and it is possible that it would be a screw job. But I think that voters will want to reward Justin on his last, uh, what is likely his last elite season here. Although, who the hell knows? You know, we can't really forecast these downfalls for these aging guys. Max Kellerman was in the news again yesterday because of his Tom Brady take. Tom Brady's going to go off a cliff, and then he wins three Super Bowls in six years. And, you know, you can't predict it with these with these legends when exactly the, they're going to fall off. LeBron James is another one. When is he going to just have a bad season? You can't really just predict, oh, this is the year, like, it's very hard to make those predictions. All that being said, this is a great matchup for Verlander. I expect him to do what he's been doing every single time out this year, pretty much, which is just dominate. Looking back on his outings, actually, there was the one bad one. It happened against Seattle where he gave up six earned runs, and that was it. That was like, oh, there was the one where he gave up four earned runs, but what an, uh, he's been outstanding uh, for someone who is 39 years old unbelievable stuff out of Justin Verlander this year, but really we should have expected it knowing who he is. Robbie Ray on the other side was, well, had really turned around his season and then last week gave up 10 hits, six earned runs, two homers to these very same Houston Astros. Only struck out one batter over three innings. Terrible shit from Robbie Ray, no question. I'm still interested to see what kind of bounce back we can get out of him here. I don't think that two straight bad starts are in the cards at this point. At the beginning of the year, I would have told you they were likely. There was a stretch there in May and June where he was dreadful. But what we've seen recently has been increased strikeout numbers, excluding this last outing, of course. Increased strikeout numbers, a little bit more control, although it's still been overall a problem, the walks. But still, uh, he's been better recently. Give credit where credit is due. I'll throw away that last Houston start. If you do, his ERA is still 354 I think, yeah, it's kind of disingenuous to do that, but still. Bad starts happen. I wouldn't be locked down because of it. It's the same team, which makes me a little bit nervous, always does, but I'm really looking forward to this one. It should be a great outing. Between, like I said, a couple of former Cy Young winners. That will do it for me, everybody. I really appreciate all you guys tuning in. This has actually been our biggest month ever of the show. We've grown every single month. I'm very proud of that fact. Every month we've added some viewers, so... Thank you to those of you who found me and stuck around. That much is very appreciated. We will be live. I will say it every show until, well, only a couple of shows left now until that day. But we will be live on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. You guys can also find it over on Twitter at Sports Ethos and over on my page at JoeOrico99. Bringing on a ton of guests in the fantasy baseball industry. We have everybody pretty much confirmed schedule-wise. I'll be tweeting out the schedule Probably tomorrow, depending on, I just need to hear back from a couple of people about what time slot they're going to be in and if they can make it at all, actually, for one or two people. So it should be a lot of fun, regardless of how many people exactly will show up. We have, I think, I think 13 or 14 guests now. It'll be a lot of fun. 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. 
Come hang out. You can throw your questions in the chat. We'll try and get to as many of them as possible. Hopefully we get a lot of trades that day, and it should be a lot of fun. Until next week, guys, I wish you all the luck in the world this weekend. Cheers.